In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Wow, it's a St. Patrick's Day special and I'm here with my co-host Jack who's not wearing anything Irish and I'm really upset. Jack, how are you? I've got green shorts on. <laughs> Come on mate. But anyway, we have got a special guest, a friend of the show. We have got Jim Custard aka Neil Dunworth. My little leprechaun, how are you? Morning, everybody. Welcome from Ireland today on um, St. Patrick's Day. Um, I'm only okay because I've been celebrating St. Patrick's Day a day early. And uh, this is probably going to go over the head of a lot of the US listeners, but we didn't, the Ireland team didn't fare well in the rugby yesterday. So uh, there was a bit of sorrow drowning um, in the local pubs yesterday. So uh, I'm glad I'm up and it's 10 a.m. I'm glad I'm awake. <laughs> so I'm just going to translate that for our uh, American listeners. Neil said, Ireland lost in a rugby match. It's a similar game to American football, but a little bit more faster. Yeah, it wasn't good. It wasn't good watching yesterday. It certainly wasn't good watching. Excellent. And, and we started the show with Gal- Galway Girl, a dedication to you, Jim Custard. Excellent. Yeah, that's where I'm based here. And, and some of you guys might know this is my, my hat trick appearance. This is my third appearance on the, on the show. Um, and part of the Galway Browns backers. So I can't stress how much we'd love to see you guys from Cleveland when you come over. Just hit us up on Facebook or anywhere and we'll show you the sights and sounds from that, from that song and we'll be able to bring you on a tour. Excellent. And you even took me to the same pub where they filmed Ed Sheeran's music video, Galway Girl. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a nice pub. Uh, myself and Kelly, British backers, are all talking. Maybe we're going to host a European Browns meetup. When the April fixtures come out, me, Kelly, and the rest of the uh, backers are all going to get together and try and put a calendar together. So uh, that could be quite interesting. So it'd be great for you, Ed, and the rest of the uh, Irish guys to come over. Absolutely. We're there. Come to scene. Excellent. So, mate, this is your show, Jim Custard. What is the first question you have got for us? Guys, I... First of all, could I just do a small a bit of a victory, but not a victory dance for me personally, but for every single long-suffering Cleveland fan that's been there since 99, or like myself, that's been there since 2005, 2006, that's had to wear your colours, that's had to look at other fans that may not even really follow the sport, and they might laugh at you because they might be fans of the Patriots, or they might be fans of the Steelers, or they might be fans of the Packers, or they might be even new money like... Uh, LA Rams fans, which seem to have sprouted up here in Ireland as well. And for everybody that's been laughed at, and for everybody that's gotten that kind of sympathetic pat on their back about being a Cleveland Browns fan, I just want to say, doesn't it feel great 
the positivity we have at the moment. Doesn't it feel absolutely amazing? Yeah, mate, it feels awesome. Yesterday I was out having a few drinks with a load of Browns fans, and you're not going to believe what happened. We bumped into the head of UK Bengals, totally random, in the same pub where the Browns uh, came over in uh, for the 2017 uh, NFL game. And just sitting there outside, I was smashed. He goes, Paul Brown. And I'm like, who are you? Oh, shh. okay, best behavior. It's the head of uh, UK Bengals. So uh, uh, we had a, we had a uh, drink. I'm afraid to say we actually did sit down and talk. And he was like, I think you're going to win the division. And I think it's great for the first time that as fans – there is a lot of hype behind us. And I am going to say what I did say. I do secretly prefer to be an underdog than high expectations. So, um, but uh, yeah, I'm super positive. And we had the, uh, the uh, five Jaeger bomb uh, bet, which is, do you think AJ Green is better than Odell Beckham? And Jack, <laughs> I'll ask you the first question. Who do you think? Um, I, I'd definitely say OBJ is better. The only thing is obviously availability. If OBJ is injured, then uh, AJ Green's going to be better. Always putting a sour twist on a great story, Jack. Thanks for that, mate. I'm the voice in the back of everyone's head, giving uh, the moment of reason that no one wants to listen to. But uh, I'm there for you guys. I wish you were there last night, Jack. I wish you told you would have told me go home at half eleven or twelve o'clock. I wish that. Why aren't you ever there when that happens? Because <laughs> I was out getting absolutely trashed as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jack's the worst drinker. On the show, he uh, drinks all the time, mate. He's an al- alcoholic. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Jim Custard, <laughs> uh, what's your views on AJ Green versus Beckham? Oh, I just like AJ Green isn't always available either. I think last two years he's been out for a significant period of time. AJ Green is your prototypical size speed guy. He's really nice. He, he, look, he's he's fantastic to watch be great if we were watching him in our team but I don't want him I want what we have like I was going to say if you aren't an orange and brown you don't matter but the Bengals are close enough so that one doesn't really apply in this instance but AJ Green no Odell Beckham absolutely every day of the week for me um what that guy is going to do for just the the I suppose the public perception um you hear it you see it even here in Ireland where it isn't a huge sport everybody knows OBJ if I was to say, do you know AJ Green? People would say, no. That's not to say that he's not as good a player, but no. What we have is fantastic, and I absolutely love OBJ. Yeah. Um, AJ Green's top 10, OBJ's top yeah. five, and that's just the difference. They're, they're both fantastic players, but um, there is definitely a, a gap in there. Right, you're going to love this. I genuinely asked the question, who's better, Andy Dalton or Baker Mayfield? And they genuinely said they think Andy Dalton's better. Um, okay, uh, I presume you gave them the, clo- the number for the closest doctor and uh, gently pushed them in that, w- in that direction because um, even the most hardened Bengals fan can't be that blind towards their own team to see that if you listen to the Around the NFL podcast, they call it the Dalton scale because of his mediocrity and his average and the fact that he is the average of average, the most vanilla quarterback no, we're like Baker's going to be in, Baker's going to be in his second year. He's going to win a playoff game this year, and Dalton can never say that, and he never will be able to say that because he's not good enough. Jack, he was certainly the second best quarterback, um, and I don't think it was even close in the uh, division um, last year. Um, PFF had rated him as thirteenth, Baker as ninth. So, um, 
he, he, he did produce before he was injured, but it's, it's not the same level. And you've got to remember, Baker's a rookie. Um, obviously, he was hampered for eight games because of uh, Hugh. Um, and then we saw what he's capable of in the second half. So, um, no, it, it, Dalton gets a lot of um, grief. The trouble is he's, he's not consistent enough. Um, like, he was able to produce it last year. And if you have the weapons around him, they could probably do well. But, um, no, he was definitely second last year. But um, there is a, there's a certain gap. And Baker, you've got to remember, his first-year rookie. You don't expect that much out of a first-year quarterback. Um, so you're going to get more in uh, year two, three, four. Um, it's just... It's got to keep going, keep learning and keep developing. Anyway, guys, I've spoken far too much. Since Patrick's Day, it's an Irish special. Jim Custard, let's have your questions. Um, I was... <laughs> I, this is one actually I hadn't prepared, but um, I was looking at Colin Cowherd this morning and I know that, look, St. Patrick drove the snakes out of Ireland and I'd love to get him over there to, um, to America to drive snakes like Mike Silver and Colin Cowherd out of out of the Cleveland Browns positivity, uh, positive bubble at the moment. But uh, unfortunately, they're going to stick around and they're going to be there. But who do you guys see as more of a troll? Colin Cowherd or Mike Silver? Good question. For me, it's, it's Colin Cowherd. Colin Cowherd's a professional troll. Mike Silver's just trying to stand up for his uh, BFF in Hugh. But for me, I love it every time Colin Cowherd goes off because I know one man is listening. And that one man listening is Baker Mayfield. And when Baker Mayfield listens, he gets ratty and he goes out there and whacks up Ws. So long live Colin Coward. Um, every time he goes out and calls Baker Mayfield undraftable, all the other stuff, it's just ammunition. So, um, nope, keep going, Colin. You're helping us out. I like Colin's uh, structure of his show is the what, what he does. Um, but yeah, I think he's an idiot for... I actually think he does it just to uh, get more listeners and create hype. And I, th I think uh, Mr. Silver's the same. But my question to you two is, what does Silver add to the table? Colin's got a half-decent show, which I see outtakes on YouTube. Yeah, what does Silver actually add to uh, our lives? I really like the um, behind-the-draft things Silver does each year. Um, the one where he's in with the Browns was fascinating, seeing what decisions would have been made, why... Um, Hugh Jackson didn't want Watson, stuff like that. We'd have taken Malik Cooker. So there, he, he does do some good work. He's just, it's bitter, I would say, over the Hugh stuff. Um, and that is what it is. But he, he doesn't hide it. So for me, it doesn't bother me too much. Um, if you don't like what he's saying, don't follow him on Twitter. It's not that, it's not that hard. Yeah, I'd be of the same opinion with Mike Silver. Mike Silver is, yeah, he's he's just a guy who's got a friend who's trying to give him a, a leg back into the into into the world of American football. What I do question with Mike Silver is that it's over, it's done. Hugh Hugh was last. It's done. Stop dragging it up. We don't like. We're not like that. That list of thirty quarterbacks. That's done. It's he's just another one of these people who has who had stuff to say previously, now he doesn't have anything to say, and has gone, puts his hand up and goes, look at me, I'm still relevant. I'm still relevant now that Cleveland Browns are in, the, are in the news. But he's not. He's got nothing to do. Go follow Hugh wherever he's going to go. Start following college football, wherever he was going to end up, the AFF. That's fine with me. But we're not your concern anymore, Mike. Excellent. Well, let's, let's get these trolls off our show. Jim Custard, my little leprechaun, what's next? So... I mean, 
the presence of salary cap deity with Jack at the moment. And um, I suppose really it is, it is good. And I've agreed with you with a couple of things on Twitter with uh, like, you know, you've had some hypothetical situations that I'm not quite sure will happen, but you did put out a question about Miles Garrett. Would you prefer to have two first round picks and then get um, a, 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 a great pass rusher in free agency and have that great pass rusher plus two first round picks? I think that just makes great sense. And you, you do sometimes come on with salary cap and temper the excitement, which is fine. No problem with that. But what I want to know is, at the moment, obviously, you've put out some stuff on Twitter with regards to salary cap, how we are at the moment, the rollover, what we're going to be next year. And I think there was something like 30 million. But would it be fair to say, and I'd like your opinion on this, my kind of thought process on it is that Dorsey is making a run at this because the NFL salary cap slash player owner climate is going to be so different after 2021 that you just cannot legislate for dynasty building as, as, as you, you've alluded to before. You can't legislate for that with the lockout happening. And it is going to happen. You've got too many Drew, houses, Drew Rosenhouses out there with the players' interests. So what, is, is this smart? Can I just ask, um, I'm not the most educated cat person. What's happening in 2021? So basically, um, every about 10 years, um, you have the collective bargaining agreement, which is the agreement between the NFL Players Union and the ownership. Um, And then they basically come to terms with how much money players get. So at the minute, it's 47% of earnings goes into the cap. Um, Rules on how much cap has to be spent um, over certain time periods. All all these rules on how, how long players can practice. There is an insane amount of information that goes in that literally the entire way the league is structured goes into that agreement so like the structure of rookie deals because rookie deals didn't used to be cheap um that is a very modern thing that came along in 2011 um so i i if i'm gonna be honest i don't think there's as much risk of the league stopping as people think because if you're really going to get a um the players union to agree to not take get all their players to not take a year's pay, that's a billion lost um, that these players won't be getting. And that is an incredible amount of money. Are you really going to encourage your the members you represent as players to go, no, don't get paid. That's a billion you're going to have to leave on the table. That's, that's true. I, I don't think lockout will last for a year. Um, but I do think it will cause enough disruption to um, cause owners, the league, Goodell, the, and, and probably more importantly, the TV companies to say, guys, sort it out. We're pumping too much money in there. Without the TV companies, the NFL, you know, is losing a massive amount of its, 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 uh, its funding. So if Mr. ESPN or Mr. NBC or Mr. CBS turns around and says, guys, Tui, you got to get into that room together and you better come out holding hands, they will come out holding hands. But the way that, the way that this will be structured is the players are going to, have a lot more say. I can see there being a lot more practicing time. I think that in the, well, sorry, actually, I don't, I don't actually know that for a fact. I would like to see a lot more practicing time, but then again, I don't get hit um, for 60 minutes every week at the speed that they do. So that's probably just my own personal thing. But I do think that the salary cap structure, I do think what players are going to get paid. I do think the amount of money that goes into teams is going to be absolutely unbelievable. Like, oh, 
infinitesimally different than it is at the moment. And I think that's probably why Dorsey's making a run at it now, because he's saying that I don't have the crystal ball to see what's going to come out of those, those, those arrangements. So just to explain where we're at at the moment, the Browns are currently sp- overspending the NFL salary cap by 11%. And based on everything I've done, research back to 2015, I've spoke to a few people before that, no team has ever... Um, gone double digits over the NFL salary cap in a single season. Um, even with Jimmy Garoppolo's massive front-loaded deal last year where I think it was it's 50-odd million in one year, um, didn't hit that. So we're in unprecedented times, and that's, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, Sashi built this cap rollover so it could be used for whichever direction someone wanted to go. My concern is, rather than looking at, say, a four-year window, um, we're going all in on a two-year window. And with about a 10% chance that your quarterback ends up on the injured reserve, I'm, I'm risk-averse with this stuff. I'd rather spread it over four years and go, let's hope if, if he is going to go down once, then we've still got three more shots at this. We're in a position where Baker Mayfield could go down one of the next two years. 10% chance in each year. I would rather not risk that much in that short space of time. And as well, we're talking about um, it, it's now definitely going to happen. There's no way you keep OBJ, and Miles Garrett, and Baker Mayfield and um, veteran deals. You cannot play a th- over a third of your NFL salary cap to three players. The average playoff team spends less than 24% mm-hmm. on four players. So we are talking an insane amount of money. Um, and the trouble with that is, yeah, we're probably looking at over the next three drafts, we have to replace every... Uh, over 50% of starters to probably keep Baker and Miles. And that is a big bar to hit. And people can go, oh, Dorsey's great at drafting. Trying to find starters on average, what are we talking about? Say, every pick in the first, second, third, fourth round has to become a starter over the next three years. That is a very, very, very difficult challenge. But people like Baker Mayfield and Garrett may not take huge uh, contracts. They may go, well, I want to stay at Brown to win in Super Bowls. You, you, can, you can always cross your fingers and hope for that. But if crossing your fingers and hoping is a strategy, then it's not going to go well. And the Patriots, they had a long chat with Tom Brady. They said, we're happy to move on from you um, unless you take this cheaper deal. Um, and Brady decided to do that. So I hope that they take nice cheap deals, but never, never plan for hope because... Um, that's like building a house on sand. Exactly. And uh, you just never know what type of agent starts seeing the... Like, Miles Garrett's agent, while he's... I don't even know who he is. That guy's going to be paid as the best pass rusher in the league when he comes out. That guy isn't going to say, oh, you know what? I'm not going to... T- it's my 10%. I'm going to forego my 10% as well. Miles Garrett might be very happy to forego his uh, and give us a cheap deal. But that agent is going to be saying... Man, if you can get 150 million, take it because my kid's college future that you're you're playing with there as well. And we, you talk about strategy there as well, and and crossing our fingers. And I think a very overlooked piece as well. And that was a great segue, Jack. I wish we had planned it. Um, <clears throat> a very overlooked um, piece that we have here is the one cons- one constant that we've had since 2016, and um, when Haslam decided to go the route he went with Sashi and with Hugh and. He went with Paul Di Podesta. And Di Podesta is still there. And yes. we've often mentioned as well, Paul, that 
you know, you're a big fan of the book Caponomics and you watched, uh, basically, you, you said that you were, you know, your, your interest was peaked in, in Cleveland Browns because of Paul Di Podesta. Di Podesta is still there. People forget his role is chief strategy officer. Strategy officer. Paul Di Podesta. What I've often thought as well is, yes, Sashi was fantastic and Sashi came in to do his job. He was the demolition man. You know, somebody, if... if um, Brown's therapy is there. Sashi's face should be on Wesley Snipes' body for the Demolition Man, and then maybe John Dorsey on Stallone's body for the for the poster for Demolition Man. I've all, I've always said it, but um, but Patrick DiBresto was the strategy guy there as well. So yes, Sashi had to press the button button and had to have the courage to do so. We've got DiBresto, and if you think about it, we're still dra- we're still trading very well with Dorsey. We're still trading very well, and it always kind of kind of comes back in the back of my mind to say that. Are we trading very well because we have the consistency of Di Podesta and because he is, is, by his very nature of his name, is strategy officer? Is that where the magic is happening with the trades? So, yeah, yes and no. If we look at just the potential, the OBJ trade, the assets that we gave up is awesome. That deal's good. You're looking just in this next year, um, 2019, that's roughly an extra... 20 25 million in cost so it's not just the the picks you trade because mm. when we go out and we're going to sign probably a i think eric berry um for me if i had to guess is going to be the one they bring in to replace peppers what you've got you've gone from paying about six million for first round pick third round pick um peppers to now you're looking at spending was it 17 million for obj um let's say we get in um, a mid-tier player, three million to replace that third-round pick, um, and then we go and spend ten million on Eric Berry. That is a massive amount of money. So it's it's not just the the trade. And obviously, I'm, I'd rather have OBJ, Eric Berry, um, and let's just say Cush uh, come in than what we got um, a first-round pick, a third-round pick, and Peppers. But you, it's the bigger picture. And I think we saw a shift, Sheldon Richardson, and it was only small. We've moved, moved from front-loaded deals to back-loaded deals. And Dorsey was sacked at Kansas City Chiefs because of bad salary cap management and things. I wouldn't be too surprised if Paul DePodesta leaves after this offseason. Um, I think he might be looking to go um, because, for me the moves that have been made and the way the contracts are getting structured. And I think a big indication is going to be when we see OBJ's um, redone deal. If that's fully front-loaded, then I'll feel a lot more positive. If that is back-loaded, we are really, really up the creek. I think that's, that's a really good point. Yeah, and it is the bigger picture, especially with salary cap. I'd love to remember who I saw on Twitter that was very, very... Um, that actually, that was oh, I can't think of his name, but he was. He said that the Browns should keep their salary cap guy. He looked at the Sheldon Richardson deal and he said that if if this is a, an indictment of how they're going to restructure the deals and how they're going to sign players going forward, that they've got a genius in the cap room. Um, it was one tweet in a million. The guy had a blue tick. I can't remember who it was though. So, um, it it it's it's not bad. Um. Basically, he's tied in for two years if we want to keep him because some people are going, oh, we can uh, cut him after one year. You're not going to cut a player and five and a half million um, on there. But um, no, there's there's some positives there. It's just what they decide to do. And it's always really hard as fans on the outside to 
look into the deal that Dorsey made and look at the roster and try think of what plan he's got. So, yeah, I've, I've got no issue with the Sheldon Richardson deal, but it's just the shift um, from front to back that uh, worries me. But hit us with your next question. Yeah, next question then I had was... Um, do, 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 do. That was kind of really it. Oh, yeah. Um, you mentioned on Twitter about... Well, uh, sorry, actually, it wasn't directly what, what you mentioned, but Tyreek Hill, John Dorsey connection. Let's touch on it because I don't. Oh, think great, been... great! So you're not. Uh, I'm joking, God. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's in, coming to the Browns in a million years. I don't even think he's getting cut from Kansas City. Um, but his, you, you, you did mention, and I actually, I was chatting to you on it on it on Twitter as well, Jack. But the Tyree Kill situation is absolutely unbelievably awful. Like, if what he did happened, that guy is going down. He's gone. He's gone to prison. He has to. You know, that's that's just crazy. Um, but I think what it feeds into is where is the NFL going on this? Like, where is the NFL going on this? Like, they're saying we're, we're doing the investigations and so on. They never do it right. So they didn't do it right with Cream Hunt. They never, they never got the video. TMZ got the video. So where are the NFL going on this for you guys? Or where are we as the Browns going on this? Yeah, I think the NFL have got a really uh, tough job to do because... They obviously want to keep the superstars in there, but they obviously want to keep the balance correct. So uh, I think number one thing is you can only make a decision once you've got hard evidence and that's been made by a court or uh, someone in a, in a senior position controlling the law. It's not our jobs as fans to look at videos and then say what we think and disagree, but Jack's got a different opinion. The trouble is the NFL several times have shown that they don't care about what the courts have said because the courts have found people innocent of things and the NFL has gone and banned them. And that is what sets a really difficult issue because it's where the two are. And um, Adam um, from Five Yard Rush, we were chatting when the Kareem Hunt stuff was out there. And um, uh, Matt Miller was saying basically 10 to 12 games. That's what they reckon teams are talking about is the band's going to be. Um, Adam said, I think they're actually going to cut this to six to eight and make sure that he doesn't appeal this because the trouble is the NFL with the Brady stuff, with the Zeke stuff, it's been really embarrassing for them that it's dragged out and it's become a mess. And I think Adam's right in the aspect of they gave him a shorter um, ban so they could uh, have no appeal, have it taken and move forward. I just don't think the NFL cares that much. Um, They want the best product on the field. Um, It's exciting. You get people doing stuff. You don't want to lose your superstars. Um, And... For me, I would rather you don't draft these players. Um, there's stuff in uh, Hunt, um, sorry, in Hills Pass that I wouldn't have even wanted him on my team. Um, after what Hunt did, I wouldn't want him. Callaway, I had no real love to have him on my team. And if it's somebody stood there smoking a bit of weed, I don't really care. In all honesty, um, if that's the rules, I'd rather they didn't do it. But if that's not the same issue as domestic violence, all this other stuff. So for me, I'd rather keep your team clean. Um, some GMs have, see it as a, it, it's their risk strategy and what they're willing to compromise with. If I can get a great player in the third, fourth round, but they strangle their pregnant girlfriend, um, is that a concern to me? For me, I would say they're undraftable. Dorsey goes, no, that's value. And you get that divide and each to their own. I've got no... 
mm -hmm. can make his own decisions. If he is ruthlessly in the aspect of winning and the human factor doesn't matter, that's perfectly fine. Um, but these young people are role models for all athletes out there. And if, if the message is you can strangle your pregnant girlfriend and you still get drafted and become a superstar in the NFL, doesn't set a really good narrative. Yeah. And I think, look, I don't think it's just Darcy either. And I think, you know, you look at the Bengals, you look at the Raiders. Hell, you look at Sashi Brown. Sashi Brown drafted Caleb Brantley in the sixth round. He was accused of knocking a woman flat, cold, unconscious. Now, but the characters were dropped, yes. There and was this... a carryout with that, though, just, just to come in there. They took him in the sixth round and said at the time straight away, if this is proved to be thing, we're cutting yeah. him. We're... They also, but they also said... So... They... They hadn't talked to him or the victim or anybody about it. So they hadn't done their investigation. So they took him as a value pick. This, this is just what I'm saying is, and look, I don't want him on my team either. And this isn't the Sashi beating thing because I really like Sashi. I'm definitely on the Evan Silva train of the cocoon theory. But um, I just think that this, the situation with that is they hadn't talked to Brantley about the situation. They hadn't talked to the investigation. They hadn't talked to the victim or so on. And Darcy kind of got kicked in, the, kicked in the back for not talking to the victim in the hunt situation. But what I'm saying is, Lots of GMs do it. It's not, it's not uncommon for it to happen. And that's kind of, that is interesting, you know, that the NFL just, uh, my view is on it, the NFL don't, don't come down hard enough on it at all. Um, but hey, you know, they've got a product that they need to protect. They've got people that don't, that, that they need to satisfy in that aspect too. Right. Jim Custer, my leprechaun friend. Any more questions before we close up? Um, I just have one question for you, Paul. I saw something on your, your Instagram. Uh, I love the food stuff, by the way, as well. It's, uh, I've, I've tried out one or two things, but um, my pocket doesn't stretch to some of the vast array of uh, ingredients that you can get your hands on, Paul. So uh, there was, one, some, was something there about truffles, I think, a couple of months ago, and uh, chocolate truffle was as far as I could go. But I saw you head up French or, French or Irish oysters recently. Yes. Irish, Irish oysters all the way. And if you actually literally just down the road. And when I was picking you up from the airport that time, we passed through it. There's a, a little town that has an international oyster festival. And it's one of the biggest oyster festivals in Europe. And it's a tiny town, and just five minutes down the road from me. So if you're ever interested in good oysters, you should come over. I think it's in August, July or August every year. Uh, Clarence Bridge Oyster Festival, look it up. Um, but it's, it's brilliant, it's amazing. The food is top notch. So you only tell me this now, once I've driven through the town. Why have you not told me that when we're driving through Ireland? Um, yeah, my bad. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, no, no. Mate, I love, I love my food. And uh, uh, believe it or not, everything that I buy is from market. And I try and buy things from Sunday markets, daily markets, as cheap as I possibly can. And I cook myself. So uh, if you're not following me on Instagram, paulbrown underscore UK, same as my Twitter. And... I like to try and cook maybe three or four times a week. Bit of fun. And I normally cook in my Browns gear as well. So uh, a little insight into my personal life. Excellent. And guys, if you haven't been watching my YouTube videos, I actually filmed my St. Patrick's Day special yesterday with Odell Beckham in London. So uh, hopefully that will go live Monday, Tuesday. Something for you to look forward to. Jack, is there anything on the show that you're looking forward to next week? I haven't even looked at our show listing for the next week, but uh, it's exciting times. Um, who knows? It'll all come together at some point. Um, yeah, it's, why not? Let, let's have a look forward and start chatting some draft. We've got our draft shows um, coming up where me and uh, Paul will do some mock drafts. Yeah, and uh, just to let you know, everyone who's listening to the show, me and Jack are having a strategy meeting. We do this once a month where we go through and look at all the shows for the next month. And uh, we've got some big plans. 
get the cool listener show back in. That's something I really want to get on as soon as possible. A live podcast somewhere. Jim, Jim Custer, my leprechaun friend. Any ideas for the podcast? Yeah, I'd like to see um, I'd like to see Evan Silva come back on again. I'd like to see a discuss with him. He's a good. I like I like listening to Evan Evan Silva. Um, you know the top. You've had guys have had some top notch guests. Even in the last week, you had Zagora, you had Nathan Zagora. That man, I love him. I really do. Uh, some of the podcasts refer to you know Cleveland Brown State Radio and stuff, and that's cool too. But man, they, they they have some positivity. And for me, I love listening to it when I'm working. It gives me such a big a big push and it's such a good big bounce together. Their positivity and their um, their I suppose their 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 enthusiasm for the actual Browns and so on. But uh, yeah, I like Stephen Silva, Max Sessler was a great guest that you guys have. But look, you guys always put out an amazing guest out of the bag. Keep doing what you're doing. And um, there's nobody that I haven't enjoyed to listen listening to that you've had on so far. Uh, and that goes to you as well, Jim Custard. It's great that you're a dedicated listener, and it's great to have you on the show. Maybe once every other year. I'm joking. As soon as, as much as we possibly can. <laughs> All right, guys, please make sure you're telling your friends, you're sharing with colleagues, you're subscribing, and you're giving us feedback. We need feedback. This show's gone well over time, but the plan is always to try and keep shows around 20 minutes. If you've got any cutting edges or ideas, please DM me and let us know. If you've got any abuse, please give it only to Jack. Thank you very much. And Jim, can you finish up the show by saying... Goodbye in Irish, please. Yeah, Stalin.